Just answer when Aunt Brittany calls, okay? Go ahead. Sorry, guys. Oh, you're fine. He's good. He has uh, he has Roblox up. He's good. He's happy. Oh, nice, nice, nice. All right, guys. Hey, well, welcome to the very unofficial Logistics Plans podcast. I am the notoriously late, as always, Gonzo. And I will always be late. And there's nothing I can do about it. It's out of my hands. <laughs> And I'm joined by a very, so I have a very special co-host and a guest. Who is the co-host that we have on today? Invincible Ken today. <laughs> Invincible? Invincible. Right. Like Marky, like the movie with Marky Mark? Uh, Invincible, like you can't see me, Invincible Man. Like Invincible Man. Oh, Invisible. Okay, gotcha. Invisible, gotcha. yeah, my bad, you know, I'm country. Invisible, Invisible <laughs> Man. I can see everything. I can see y'all. I can see everything y'all doing. We can't see you. I'm just, so like John Cena. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just like John <laughs> Cena. All right. Hey, well, we're back. First episode of the week. I think we got three in the queue after this, but we have a really awesome guest today. We have somebody that has a pretty damn diverse background within damn the Air Force. Background. So, uh, so, <laughs> so, uh, go ahead so, and introduce uh, yourself, guys. Yeah, uh, introduce you. Well, hi, uh, this is Kayla Itzen. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Um, one of my former troops just called me out. You just heard from him, uh, Henry Schultz. Um, so I, I've been wanting to do it for a while. So this is my opportunity, took it, and uh, glad to be here. No, hey, welcome, thank you. Welcome, welcome to church. Welcome to church. <laughs> no, man. I feel so no. honored. <laughs> this is not a church. I guess it could be a cult if we wanted let to. Let the church say. Let the church say amen. Let the church yeah. say amen. Let the church say amen. 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 Oh goodness. So, um, you know, it's funny. So, yes, we had Henry on. I think Henry's episode will be published. This week, I think he's the second one out, one tomorrow and then one on Friday, I believe. But we also, uh, uh, last Friday, met with, um, I'm sorry, last Sunday, uh, talked with Henry's uh, boss, Senior Master Select. Uh, I've got Mandy, can't remember her last name. Why can't Mandy Jordan, name? man, Mandy Jordan. Mandy Jordan. Ah, yeah, on, okay. Stop I don't, being disrespectful. I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not good with names, man. I'm not good with Stop names. Being, don't Mandy Jordan, don't, don't disrespect Mandy like that, okay? I didn't. I didn't. Well, I'll edit this part out. But um, yeah, so no, keep it uh, in there. Don't edit it out. <laughs> I, I want man. I want Mandy to know that she got. She always got somebody looking out for. Her. I'm disrespecting Mandy. How is she supposed to know that? <laughs> she can't see you, Bracely. Hey, she's she's the real MJ. She's the real 23. Is she's she? the 23. She's the 23 of the two G's. Dang, <laughs> I gotta listen to that podcast. Yeah, yeah. No, so uh, it was yeah. Um, and she'll uh, and I'm yeah. I'm sure she'll be on. But hey, awesome! Thanks for having you on. Uh, you and I have never met, Bracely. I don't know if, if you and Bracely have ever met or talked to her. We, uh, we met, we met, met in, the, in the transit. Conference. Yeah, we met in transit actually when yeah, I was yeah, deployed. Yeah, you, you came to IUD. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. I used to. I used to. Um, I, I used to. Well, one of her former troops. Uh, um, I tried to help mentor, but uh, that was I ain't gonna say the lost cause, but she just. Uh, she went in a different direction in life. 
Oh, okay. I got you. I got you. So, um, yeah. So I know nothing about you. Uh, before you give us your, uh, you tell the family your story. I do want to ask, um, what is your ethnicity? Because I've seen you post like different stuff on Facebook, and I don't want to guess. And so, so you, you know, I had a Facebook feeling. page. I know he's a stalker, but um, <laughs> no, uh, I I had a feeling this was going to be brought up for some reason because I get this question a lot. Um, but actually, according to my twenty three and Me, by the way. Uh, I am Mexican, German, Dutch, and Irish, all mixed together. What's the highest? The highest is German, actually. Really? Yes. So, so why are you asking that question, Gonzo? Because I, I want to say it's probably last week you had a posting, and then you used like some of the emoji, and then you had a Mexican flag on your little emoji. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And so I saw that, and I was like, oh, I was like, is she Mexican? Uh, I, I know a lot of times – People think that I'm Asian. I'm not. I'll, I'll uh, but, out. but well, because of my eyes, my eyes, and uh, um, so. But this bring. I'm glad you brought up 23andMe. So, as Bracely found out when we were doing our turnover, I did a DNA test as well, uh, as well, right? Yeah. I did this uh, uh, back. I want to say it was almost like two years ago, uh, through Ancestry.com. We okay. did like the saliva test. I sent it in, and so uh, as expected. I think I'm like 53 some odd percent uh, uh, Mexican, right? Mexican yeah. Native American type thing. And it's not even like the good parts of Mexico. It's literally the part <laughs> right across the South Texas border, right? Right up in like in the Brownsville area. Just like, oh my gosh. It's not, you know, not even the cool part. And then the circle. Drug wars. It, yeah, the circle <laughs> that, it, that it goes in on at the bottom that goes into San Antonio is literally, it's nothing cool. The second highest was uh, Spain and then okay. Portugal, as you would, uh, that, that, that all makes sense. But one thing that stood out, and it's changed twice, was I am, uh, I, I, I have DNA from the continent of Africa. At first, it really? was 3 it was 3%. Uh, <laughs> I, hate when, uh, I, hate, I hate when he goes here. I hate <laughs> when he goes here. No, hey, so, so, uh, no, it's a safe space. And so, so I, the 3% was Congolese, right, from the Con Republic of the Congo. And now it's changed uh, to West Africa, right? It's and changed. I say so that means it's not true. That means, <laughs> that means I spent all that money. I spent all that money on, on trying to find out who, who uh, where y'all from, and they lied to y'all. Well, not necessarily, Bracely. So uh, it's changed. So here's the reason why here's how how i understand that it changes is uh it, it's it's very much dependent on the pool of information of people that it has to pull from so as as more people get tested your uh your dna sequence uh, sequence changes what hasn't changes changed is my top three in that specific order mexico uh spain and portugal uh, mm -hmm. but what has changed is the percentages but the other one and, and I'm, at, I'm actually looking at it right now um was my uh, uh, was it, it went to West African and I want to really look it up real quick. Let me see. Oh my, it changed again. Oh my goodness. Okay, forty-seven percent um, Native American Mexican, thirty-five percent Spanish. That I get confused for Ronaldo sometimes. That makes sense. Um, and then Portugal, but five. I'm sorry, three percent. Senegal, 
right? And so, wow. uh, so I say, so I always wanted to know, um, I have, I've been known, I have very fast twitch muscles. I was, I've been told that by a lot of people growing up, um, my athleticism, I, I would say that comes from my probably Spanish side of the house with, you know, Ronaldo-esque, um, lower body and whatnot. And then, so, so yeah. You know, so, it came from Senegal. So, Bracey, well, that's, that's not appropriate. I'm not going to assume that that's what it was. Um, but it could be, it could be. So, so, uh, um, but so yeah, but where's anyway. those squats then those fast twitch muscles, where are those squats at? Well, so, uh, my people and I from, uh, uh, uh from Spain and then from the continent, it's, uh, uh, this naturally, um, muscular, I guess you would say. So right. I don't want to, I don't want to overdo it. You only have it. You only have so much <laughs> skin and I don't want right, to stretch course. that skin out with too much muscle. Of course. That's and so science. I choose. I choose not to eat right and then not to work out that much. Um, but anyways, okay. So uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. I, 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 I do want to hear your story because I've seen you post on Facebook. I see you post on the Log Plans page and you have a very interesting story. And I cannot wait to hear some stories that you're allowed to tell us about I'm your special duty. We spent, we spent 20 allowed. minutes talking about Gonzo. That's <laughs> pricey. <laughs> Let's, That's yeah. how the show starts. That's how the show it's starts. It's six forty. It's six forty-eight. Just warming the show up. Started you know? at, the show started at six. We had to watch you brush your teeth. No, we didn't. That's a lie. It did not. It started ten <laughs> minutes to, ago. We had to watch yeah, you everyone. Brush your teeth. You didn't see it. He was brushing his teeth, getting all pretty. Good. You know, I did. And, I did. And, and and I'm usually the late one, or I'm the <laughs> one that comes on. I'm I'm the one that comes on straight from the workout. Like I took a shower and everything. Yeah. I was ready. My food. Yeah. I, I, I I put my food in the oven during the workout. That way, I don't have to worry about showing y'all how to cook. That's time management right there. Yeah, he's doing really exactly. Well. I'm I'm learning that I'm learning that here at at uh at my undisclosed location. He's in Tampa. Um, oh, yeah. Um. So, <laughs> literally, I literally thought I, I literally thought we wouldn't go have this conversation. I, I thought we had, wasn't gonna have this conversation since my ULM one validated, but it's okay. <laughs> oh. Hey, you're, you're not in your deploy window yet. But hey, okay, all right. So, <laughs> Kayla. Yes. Uh, let's hear. T- tell us your story. Okay. Um, I'll just start from the beginning. Um, raised an army brat, actually. Um, grew up basically half my life in Germany. Um. I, uh, my dad was in the army. He's actually in the Gulf. Um, so of course I wanted to follow my dad's footsteps. That's why I wanted to join the military straight after high school. Not even three weeks after I graduated, I left, uh, for basic training. But of course I wanted to go to the army recruiter and he kind of nudged me over like, ah, let's go next door to the air force recruiter. Um, which was the best decision he's ever made, I think. Um, so, uh, went to, basic right out of high school um did not plan on being a log planner like i'm sure a lot of people can relate to uh actually was supposed to go intel um so yes <laughs> so um so actually it didn't work out on the intel side um half my class actually i was in uh intel tech school for four months before basically two-thirds of our class washed out including myself yeah. So, um, you know, looking back on it, I think if I applied myself more then I could have finished it, but that's neither here nor there. Um, then, uh, yeah, they, so they gave me, of course, the, the choices that I could select to go to another tech school. And 
I remember the first one I saw was Vehicle Ops, now Grand Transportation. Um, and I was like, uh, I came straight from Germany, so I didn't have a uh, license. And I don't know if you're aware, but you can't get your license there until you're 18. Um, so I was, I left when I was 17 still. Um, so I got there without a license, I'm like, well, can't do that one. And um, then the second choice, I think, was traffic management. And I said, don't even know what that means. So knock that off. And then log plans, I think what stood out to me, it said something about war planning and contingency. And I was like, oh, that's what I want to do. And I, I thought I was going to be running and gunning for some reason. I don't know, 17-year-old me. And uh, definitely not the case. Um, <laughs> but no, um, so I went to Blackland for tech school in early 08. Um, and my first base right after that was Aviano. So I kind of lucked out there. So that was so my first So technically she's a pipeliner. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. She's a pipeliner. So, she's, I, I consider yeah. myself one of the OGs. Yep. Yep. Um, she's a pipeline. a little break in she, service. She, she, she's a pure blood. Yes. Oh, pure blood. I am. So, okay. <laughs> she's, my, she's, she's my cousin. Yeah. There you go. Um. So okay. So leave tech school. You go to. Bob, I think I'm gonna Aviano. be the first pipeline to. I think I'm gonna be the first pipeline to retire. First, I'm, I'm gonna be the first pipeline to retire. Are you? What if you make chief? Shh. <laughs> Wait for that. Oh, later on we are gonna talk about EPRs though. Writing. Oh, writing there you stuff. go. So anyway, okay. You so you go to Aviano. Um, how long are you there? How do you like it? Where do you go next? So, so I'll just go down the list because actually part of it, of what I wanted to talk about is the people that are the people that influence me um, to who I am now. Uh, so if I remember correctly, um, my first base, Aviano, we had Erin Coughlin, now Kirk. I believe she's at Little Rock now. Um, we had uh, Denise Sines, now Bittner. And I had the pleasure of working for Master Sergeant, now retired, Bernard Trice. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of his name. He's just, he's one of those law planners that, you know, as a pipe planner, he took me out to the cargo yard the first time and pointed to all that stuff in the yard and says, what's that? What's that? What's that? And of course me, I'm like, I don't know. And, you know, he, he had me learn hands on what I'm planning, what I'm deploying, uh, what I'm That's doing every day. That's good right yes. there. So you got, I, you got I, to see you, you got to see your why. Yes, exactly. Um, and of course, you know, being a young planner, first base Aviano, you know, all I want to do is travel and you can drink at 18. So, you know, that's, that's where my mind was, of course, but I didn't, I, now I look back and it's like, he knew exactly what I needed to learn the job. I was more hands-on and have been since, ever since. Hands-on, visual, I need to see it. I need to like see what I'm doing. Um, so I, I take a lot of his um, influence. Um, so in Aviano, that's when I went to my first rat in uh, Ali Al Salim. Uh, was there for about, it was between 45, 60 days. I can't remember which one. Um, so it was pretty quick. Uh, that's where I met uh, Christopher Gray. Uh, so he's a good influence as well. Um, mad smack talker, by the way, if y'all don't know. Still that. is. 
Joker, Joker <laughs> does it. Joker does it every five minutes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's what I remember from him. Um, and after Aviano, that's when I went to good old South Dakota, Ellsworth. Um, thought it was a joke when they gave me that assignment. But honestly, looking back on my previous bases, that's one of the best bases I've been to just because of the shop I was with. Um, I think I was looking back on it this morning, actually, and a lot of us from that shop went on to do amazing things. Um, I worked with uh, formerly Katie Pyatt, now Katie Littlefield. She's a first lieutenant now. She went to OTS, and I posted about her on the log plans page. Um, Anna Blink, now senior master sergeant select. Um, she, she was a staff sergeant then. She was my supervisor there. And I just remember how passionate, she still is, passionate she is about law plans. Um, and so that's kind of, that kind of gave me my drive to find out what I'm passionate about to, because uh, I can talk about it a little more later, but honestly, since I've been in law plans, I don't know how y'all are going to take this, but I don't love log plans like a lot of people do. Like, I don't, okay. you know, it's, okay. it's, it's something that I appreciate. Like, I appreciate the hell of what I get out of this career field, but I don't love it. Like, I don't have log plans tattooed on my chest <laughs> or anything. Yeah, that's the only person that does is Gonzo. You know? On my lower back. On your lower? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you got, you got a stamp stamp. I ain't gonna say the angle say the regular word, but yeah, you gotta yeah. stand. So okay, when were you what years were you at uh South Dakota? Or so I got there um April twenty ten and then left I was only there for two years. Uh the the longest base I've been at was Lackland when I was in MTI for four years. Every other base has okay. been about two years. That's so, what I want to talk about. So so yes. So talking about <laughs> your Ellsworth time, you were there with uh, Rudy Terrazas, right? Yeah, Rudy. Rudy was there. And so also you had a tech sergeant there. I want to say his first name was Joe or Joseph. A stocky uh, guy, country guy. I Curtis. What was his? Yes. So Joe I Curtis. Was, so my first log plant space was Dias, right? Okay. And so I was at Dias while you, Rudy, Anna, and Katie were at, uh, at Ellsworth. So we both had the same ABI. We had our B1s, right? And right. I remember uh, I uh, um, we had our, our, our UCI, CUI, whatever the hell they want to call it combined. <laughs> and in preparation, our commander worked, uh, LRS commander worked to deal with your guys, LRS commander, to send uh, uh, Tech Sergeant, or I think maybe Master Sergeant, Tech Sergeant Joe Curtis down there for a week to just walk us through it, right? And that was a huge help. It was huge. Right. He did an after action report directly to our commander to tell us this is where uh, that shop is um, and this is what they need to focus on going into this inspection, right? Um, right. That was, uh, 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 he was one of the first people that I, that I realized in log plans that it doesn't matter what your rank is because your rank is, isn't necessarily gonna, gonna dictate what you know and how Absolutely. you apply it. And so I, I'm, I'm sure he's retired by now. Um, oh, he's uh, making money. Is he? He's making money, right? Now. He is. He, uh, I still have his wife on my Facebook. Um, I believe they're in Tennessee now with this, it looks like a damn mansion. 
with a million dogs and he has he had a ranch in Ellsworth he still has a ranch over there in Tennessee and they're just living it up nice so 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 what are you doing to make millions so I can learn so I can go figure out we need to talk to him like I'm I'm trying to be a part of the tribe (laughs) I'm trying so you leave Ellsworth and you go so yeah so that uh talking about um senior select blank uh so she kind of I guess subconsciously got me to think about other things that I want to do because, you know, I, I always felt like I wanted to do something else. And I remember specifically from basic training, I had this terrifying instructor um, and she was just as short as I was. And she was from Louisiana, um, thick accent. And I remember specifically her sitting our flight down in the in the day room and basically giving us giving us this whole spiel we're all in our blues and stuff all excited we're about to graduate and she gave this whole spiel about never getting married (laughs) and uh of course i didn't listen to her later on but um but she basically said when i die i want to be buried with my own money so no one else touches it and i just could not stop laughing and of course I pushed after that in my blues because I always, I was like the smiley one in basic. I'm just laughing at everybody else's pain. And so when she said that, I just died laughing. Um, but just stories from her and the crazy stuff she said and how sharp she was, I was like, that's what I want to do. I, I think I want to be an instructor. And so I remember telling um, Blank and Joe Curtis and all that, like, I want to do it. And they're like, oh, hell, you know, and are you sure you're ready for that? You know, you, you're just about to make staff. You know, that's when I tested uh, for the first time. And um, you sure you want to do this? You're so young. And of course, in one ear, out the other. I'm like, nope, I want to do it. My mind's made up. Um, so I put in the application, still a senior airman. And I had the phone interview because that was before DSD, of course. So you had to put in the volunteer package. You had to take the picture in your blues. Um, and all that. Um, of course, you still do, but it was just a different process um, then. But um, so they did the phone interview, and the guy that was interviewing me was straight up like, "Hey, I don't know if our current group commander is going to take you because you're kind of young, but we need females. So just hold on a second. We're going to do a change of command, and then I'll get back to you." I was like, "Okay." I didn't think anything of it. He legit called maybe a month later and said, "Yep, you got it." <laughs> And um, gosh, I just remember that moment, like speeding home, like screaming on the top of my lungs that I did it. And, um, you know, it's, it wasn't just like I put in my application, I got it, you know, it was, it was a lot of, uh, I had such a good time in Ellsworth and such a good crew that I worked with. Um, I also did, um, you know, the extra stuff I did base honor guard. Um, And I just loved being in, in uniform. I loved being sharp. I loved presenting in front of people and whoever has experience in base honor guard, it's one of the most humbling experiences that you could have. Um, because I, I can't tell you how many times I had to present a flag to a wife or a family member or something during a funeral. And it, it was just maybe a veteran funeral. And it's, you know, he, they were only there or in the air force for three, four years. And we, we still did the flag presentation. We still folded it. We still played taps. And it was still every single time it got to me. Um, so that's the stuff that 
I'm passionate about just being sharp and just loving the military overall and what it stands for. So, um, so I did that and my NCOIC of Honor Guard loved it so much that he made me one of the, the uh, flight leads for Honor Guard. So I was a senior airman and I had like techs and masters in my flight, you know, and I'm, I'm training them on how to do Honor Guard stuff. Um, and then I even um, motivate, I guess you could say motivated, <laughs> motivated my LT at the time, our assistant IDO, a Lieutenant now Major Morford. Um, he, he got involved in the base honor guard and then he later on became Air Force honor guard. Um, oh. So I give him, uh, he needs to give me credit for that. So, <laughs> so, so uh, I'm a two year base honor guard, right? Okay. Did you ever, um, I know me, the, uh, uh, I hate it that they have rules on height requirements when it comes to Air Force oh, honor guard, God. right? Oh, so, cause, yes. cause when they came over to my base, to, uh, to do you know they do their traveling recruitment whatever and I go right. over there and they're like no you can't because I I had aspirations and this is pre-log plans I had aspirations of being Air Force Honor Guard because I loved it um, yeah I, I, uh, uh, and I don't want we don't have to get too much into this but what was your what was your favorite role to fill when you actually went out to do ceremonies um, uh, actual like uh, funerals right uh, mine right. was the fold. I always, once I got comfortable, I got confident. I wanted to be the, 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 the guy folding the flag. So I guess it would have been the, the third on the right. I think it would have been um, yeah. you know, towards the, yeah. And so right. I loved it. I loved it. Uh, doing change commands, could care less. Doing freaking, <laughs> uh, 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 going there and marching in, in, in some parades for two miles down the road in your blues with your rifles. Oh gosh, no. But folding the flag, there was something special about holding that flag because as uh you're right because because I, I i can't describe it i can't describe it I, i'm not from a military background i'm not overly aircraft don't get me excited i'm just that isn't i, I i'm not emotional about that but there was something about knowing that if you could fold that flag 135 i believe 135 there it is if, yep. if you could if you could get 135 you knew that they could instantly that family member or whoever was left could take that and put it in a glass box and never have to unfold it so that was yeah. the last time that right. thing was going to be folded and it i don't know and it always stuck with me i always i loved it that actually there's a story i have with uh when i did such a shitty fold and i was so pissed off i uh so we we went tdy a lot around that general area um in the upper midwest because you know we're we're not in a lot of around a lot of big cities so uh we went down to i feel like it was like top of nebraska so it was still like flat like windy as all hell and uh we did a funeral and it was it was just so windy that day and so we were just holding on for dear life that flag while we were folding it and my ncyc was with us on that team because he knew it was going to be a hard one and we did the best we could but it kept on like wanting to fly out of our hands and it was such a shitty flag and you could tell, like he presented it, you could see in his eyes, he was so pissed off. And so we, we got to the van, we all kind of like were beating each other up and he came back and he kind of like threw some of his gear in the van and just like charged off with uh, the staff sergeant with us at the time. And they refolded the flag for the family. And, but he wanted to do it away for us. And that moment I was like, I feel like such a piece of shit right now. And uh, you know, I just, 
we we did our best but it wasn't good enough and that's that's kind of like the I don't know the perfectionist in me that's just carried me through my career like I want to do do the best that I can do with everything and if I always like pinpoint like oh, I could have done that better and I kind of beat myself up that's it comes from that and being an MCI of course more than anything um so after that it's like yeah we were in after that that straight week after that we were just folding flags folding flags folding flags making sure we get that uh 135 um but yeah uh for those of you who don't know 135 is the stars that are facing you when you fold the triangle away. It should be one star at the top, then two, or excuse me, three, and then five. Um, I think the, it's like the good but not great flag is two, four, I think, if I remember correctly. Um, and then, of course, when I was in NCOA recently, which I'll get back to that, they wanted me to be the drill NCO, and I was like, oh, surprise, surprise. And uh, so, of course, I said, what? We're going to fold this flag right every single time then. And so I, I practice those one, three, fives as well. So, but yeah. yeah the, two um, flag, the, the, the two, the, the two, um, the two barrier flags that I got, uh, I had to get refolded by an Air Force Honor Guard uh, because they were folded by the Army. And the reason why I got them refolded is so they, they mm. can fit in the case. Right. There you go. It's something about that one, three, five flag. But, um, but yeah, so uh, being an Honor Guard, um it really kind of solidified what i wanted to do next you know i i wanted to i guess feel fulfilled and i was like that's the dream like i want to be an instructor i don't care how young i am i want to do it i think i can do it you know how bad can it be <laughs> so uh so i i put the package in i got i was only supposed to do one recommendation letter i actually got three i got one from um my commander, of course, my DO at the time, she was prior army and she was awesome. Um, and then my honor guard in CYC. So they all did recommendation letters for me. Um, and then of course I lucked out that year because I also won um, log plans airman of the year and honor guard enlisted of the year. So that was like the time. I missed that award, by the way. The log plans airman of the year, I missed it. Like when they clumped us into like the log guard really sucked because um, I was more excited to see a log, you know, to cheer, you know, see log planners, you know, and we competing with fuel supply, you know, cause they want to, they want to make this whole LRS a whole family cohesive thing. And I totally disagree with that. So, uh, so much that um, I, I don't even take the, I, for, for promotional purposes. And right. you know, documented purposes. I take the log log guard serious, but as far as you know, honor and you know, respect and like you know, bragging rights and pride, I don't take the log guard award serious. I, I really don't. I um, I was a two-time ACC winner um, as an airman, and then um, I competed at the PACAF level a couple of times, and which is great to see people. It was great to see you compete against loggies like. Well, I'm sorry. Yes. Oh my gosh, log planners. <laughs> um, uh, I still didn't get that memo, by the way. Um, but it was just great to see that that you know that pride. Like you were the best log planner. You know what I mean? Um, right. I don't really, you know, cause cause I and I and uh, segue whatever you want to call it. Actually, it's, it's, it's along the lines of what your talking points are. 
But it, I mean, it, it's like this, man. How can you win the logar? But, and I'm speaking from a LRS perspective, right? How can you win the logar, but you're not one of the top, you're not in that top percentage for uh, force distribution of strats, but you won the logar award. That's why I don't take this. That, that I don't take that award serious. You walk, you leave out, you you compete out of the squadron as the logistics professional. But when it comes to uh, stratifications and force distributions, uh, you're not even in the conversation. And like, so what's the what's the significance of being the top logistics professional during your reporting period? You know, I, for sure. I don't. No, care I got much, you. I don't care much for that. I don't care much for that award. I really don't. I wish we could bring back the log log plans award. And that's another war that we're supposed to be working on. I got to, uh, I'm waiting on, I know Gonzo is kind of busy, but we got a quarter chief on that award uh, sooner or later. For sure. But I didn't mean to interrupt you. It's just when you mentioned oh, the log plans, log plans, uh, when you got, when you won your uh, log plans annual award, you know, I was like, yeah, you know, I missed that award. I really do. Right. Um, gosh, where was I? I forgot now. Um, but well, just because of that, like I, I felt you, you won the Law Plans Award and you won the um, Honor Guard Award in the same year. That year, because the year before, Katie won it, and so when I went, like like you were saying, like when I won it, I was like, hell yeah, I'm the Law Plans Airman of the Year. <laughs> like, like I felt proud to win that. Um, and it's just it's specific awards that like that that give more meaning uh, to me, at least. Um, just like. Uh, NCOA getting the DG like I I would get that any day over it's it's hard I have my own opinions about like quarterly awards and stuff but you know it's like that was of course leadership and academics like I did what I was supposed to do and my peers thought that I was a good leader and they voted on it so you know that's straight from my classmates and I think that that has more meaning to it um but that's just me um but, uh, and it, it's, 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 it's funny you say whole, the whole period thing because one of the things that, and I kind of I keep bringing this up, but, and, and it's not private knowledge, this was put out on social media through, you know, a couple of conversations with uh, some of the senior leaders in the Air Force. Uh, your, you know, your EPR, your, your, your soon to be EPRs within the next year or two are going to be peer related. Yes. You yes. know, so, um, you know, my take on that is good, but it's also bad because I still think that people won't be honest when it comes to putting themselves in a position to lead. Right. Race Lee, uh, and, I, and I know we can't go into this, into this too much. When we say peers, um, are we saying, uh, are we specifically talking about, uh, let's just say you and I as superintendents? that the folks that we lead are going to be the ones that are going to be impacting how we're rated or those above us. You know what I'm saying? Like, how's it going to, how's that going to work? Do you think? It's, it's like, so it's going to be your subordinate, your supervisor, and then like a peer and then some random person on, on that base. So I'm almost like the 360. Hmm. That'll be interesting. Okay, so you get accepted to uh, to MTI school, yeah. right? You show up, you get your training. You got Ooh. four years. 
four years of stories. Four years um, stories. So I, I actually, I, I, like a, the nerd that I am, I put, I wrote down like the stories I want to say because there's just so many. Um, and let me tell you, like, it goes without saying that MTI school is not for the faint of heart, but to be down there, especially as a senior airman, um, you know, of course they don't do that anymore. Um, I think it's like, you have to be a staff with two years and time and rank, um, your time and grade, excuse me. But um, just being down there, I already knew that I was facing adversity because you had techs with a few years in, you had staffs that, and it really didn't matter what rank you were because there it was, you're either nothing or you're a senior instructor. There's like no in between at the time. Um, of course, I got down there at a very, uh, very tough time for BMT um, with the whole MTI scandal. Like I got there right after that happened. Um, so I got down there and they were already in the process of changing curriculum and changing policy and all that. Uh, so I was being trained one way and then I had to, it changed drastically like months later. Um, so it was, it was tough, but I got there as a senior and I already knew like I had to basically show up. Like I had to be with my, with my equals. I had to be just like them. They were like staffs and techs with years in and I haven't even had a troop yet. So, um, so it was tough. Um, I, I definitely had to humble myself. You know, um, it was like being right, brought right back down to the very bottom all, all the law plans of the year, honor guard enlisted of the year, and all that stuff I did at Ellsworth, it's like all that, psh, forget about it, because now you're, you need to start from the bottom again. Um, so that alone was very humbling. Um, and then, of course, you do seven weeks at a time, you did seven weeks of MTI school, then you had the certification period, kind of like OJT, where you're being signed off on literally every single class that you teach. So I can't even remember exactly how much now, but it was anything from getting, giving them their first ever brief when they get off the bus to teaching all the drill movements to going to their appointments, everything I had to be signed off on. Um, Cause you could not be alone with flights, like without a certified trainer with you. You couldn't be alone until you get certified. That's when you are an actual instructor in everyone's eyes. Um, so that was, Gosh, how long is that? How long is it to get your certification? Does so it vary? I got there, it, it varies um, depending on how, kind of like your um, our TBA. Like, let's see like how long we can get this stuff knocked out so that you can, uh, you know, take your EOC. But this time it's like you teach your classes, you get certified, you're free to go. Um, so I got down there April of 2012. Um, and my class didn't start till May. So I was what they call a pre. So I was basically like shadowing everybody for a month. And then I did my, I got my hat in July officially. And then I did the certification period afterwards for another three months. So yeah, October is when I finally certified. So about six months. How did it feel to get your hat? Oh, I definitely held back tears. It was, it was, um, when we did it then it was, during parade so those days all of us in ti's it's like this thing like if there's a graduation that day day we're like oh god it's gonna be like a 
hour and a half long parade in the hot ass sun. So, um, but no, it was, uh, it was about eight of us in that class. Um, the group commander presented us with our hat along with our trainer. They kind of brought it out in front of the reviewing stand and the blue chairs and all the other NTIs and family members are all watching. So it was one of, not the best, but one of the best moments of my life is getting that hat. Cause it's like, yep, you know, I'm, I'm here now. You know, I haven't arrived technically, but I'm here and I'm accepted now into this, in this core. And I'm going to have this hat for the rest of my life. So, um, and everywhere I go now, you know, it's just like an NCOA. As soon as the cat's out of the bag that I'm an NTI, people talk to me differently. And, um, I mean, it, it is what it is. It's good and bad, but, um, it carries with you like literally for the rest of your life. So definitely top three favorite moments. So, um, so how, how was it? So, okay. You got there like right after the scandal and you went to, you went through a shift. Like when did you, so what, what year was it that you got there? Uh, 2012, April, 2012. Okay. All right. Got it. All right. So you got there, the whole scandal situation happened and shifted. Like, so what was one of the major shifts when you're talking, um, female, uh, instructors versus male instructors? Like, how was that? Like what was so, like what was the what was one of the biggest things that changed? The biggest things, um, it was always, you know, wrong to be in the same dorm as your opposite gender flight during like um lights out or when they're showering, of course. That was always a thing. But more so like if you even if it was an accident, like I remember specifically um one time I came in, you know, you of course you announce the opposite gender walking in, you know, female entering the dorm as soon as I come in, actually before technically. So, you know, I, I put up my ID, they do the EC procedures, they let me in, they announce it, uh, my male flight announces it, but a male trainee in the back corner of the bay, I'll never forget it, he was literally in the middle of undressing. So in that time, it was just, it, all it takes is one trainee. Like not to get too much into it, but all it takes is one training to be like, she did that on purpose. And it's somehow my fault. So at that moment, I knew, well, I'm just going to turn right back around and go downstairs and tell my instructor supervisor that that was an accident because I'm not going to take any chances. Um, it was just always being on your toes at all times. Like you don't want, it, it was pretty rough because it was like, you could, hold a trainee accountable and be uh, totally legal with your actions and you're just doing your job and they could be butthurt and they could drop a critique on you. That's what we called it. It's not the stress card that I keep hearing about. It's none of that. It's just like this form that they fill out anonymously, put in this, um, this box in the stairwell and in the defect, I think, and say, Sergeant, it's in harass me. And then they would do an investigation just like that on me. And sometimes and more severe accusations, you would get your hat taken and you wouldn't be able to be around a flight. So you had to be very careful with what you were saying, like basically to a fault. Like we felt like we couldn't train for the longest time um, because we were afraid of how they were going to take it. So, so it was rough. So a, a two-part question. So the first part, um, 
how did you feel about the men and women that you were training? How, <laughs> so, did, how, did, uh, how did you view them? You know, I think the most slack I got and shit talking I got were from fellow instructors because I never saw trainees as beneath me, I guess you could say. You know, um, I think it probably had to do with how close I was in age because I was so young down there. Um, but over time in my career, I just, I knew that I, I was good at helping people. You know, I was good at teaching. I was good at talking to people. So I, when I taught them, I wanted to get them to understand it. I just don't want to yell at you. I don't want to talk at you. I want you to understand what I'm saying. And so when they didn't get it, or if we didn't get like warrior honor flight, uh, the little streamer on their uh, staff, yeah. um, I would take it personal because it's something that like, what am I doing for you not to understand? And so, and I, I'm still like that. So I, I never saw him like that. And I got, you know, it's, it's, to me, it was all kind of like this frat like thing, like, oh, she's milking cookies because she actually cares about her trainees. And I got that. That was a lot of like MCI on MCI, like, Okay, whatever. Well, so, I actually care okay. about people. Okay, so because you cared about them, did it hurt whenever, uh, assuming uh, assuming somebody w w uh, did take an action on you or a critique, right? For sure, yeah. Did that hurt even more when at the end of the day you wanted to see that person succeed and have a career like you have? Oh, absolutely. I... I remember I've gotten, when you got investigated, you had your rights read to you. So when I, I got investigated and I'm, I could tell, and you can ask any of my former trainees, I'm the least scary. Like I don't try to be scary. I'm gonna make you feel stupid. Yes, absolutely stupid. But I'm the least scary MTI, you know? Um, Cause I don't yell for no reason. Um, so I remember four or five different times I had my rights read to me. And I was shocked because those claims were that I was too intimidating or I harassed was one of them. And um, she wasn't following the rules or something like that. And I'm like, For, like in what world? <laughs> and so I was, I had to get to the bottom of it. And all of them, of course, obviously, cause I have all my stripes, right? Um, all of them came back unsubstantiated because it was just a trainee being um, butthurt about the situation. Uh, for example, um, when you push flights for a while, you actually, uh, they, they rotate you now. So I was, you know, on the streets as they call it. So I would push flights for a while and then they put me at Beast, uh, formerly Warrior Week or FTX. So I, um, so I was at Beast. So every week was another group of 200 trainees in my zone, my specific zone. And so they are coming and going and you just give them the information. They do what they have to do all week and then they go. So I didn't have that same relationship, I guess you could say, with them as I did with my flights that I had for eight weeks. So it was easier for me to just yell and move on with my life. And so this one particular critique that I got was this trainee they were in full mop gear and um, they had to go to the hardened shelter. Of course, we're doing an exercise. So alarm red, they go in the hardened shelter. Uh, we had the 
the ECP and um, all the defensive fighting positions up. And we're just kind of like assessing how they're doing their procedures. And this one trainee just kept coming up when she wasn't supposed to. I said, ma'am, my chest hurts. I need to go to the IDMT. And of course, I'm not going to deny her medical attention. I pick up my radio like, hey, I need an IDMT over here. They take her away. She comes back 15, 20 minutes later, and she's fine. Um, she still has all of her gear on. So she goes back. She does it again. Man, my chest hurts. And I already knew she was trying to get out of training because it was hot as shit that day. So, you know, I'm, again, I'm not going to say no. She leaves. She comes back a third time. Then I get irritated. <laughs> so she comes back to me. Um, we're still doing the exercise and it's like right before lunch. And I said, you know what? Like, let me go ahead and call the ambulance and waste even more of my precious time and Air Force resources. And let's get an ambulance all the way over here and pick you up and you can get out of my face because I don't want to see you anymore. And that's exactly what I said. And she wrote a critique that I threatened her. <laughs> so, um, so it was that moment where it's like, like, I can't win here. Like, you know, it was, it was, th it was those moments. I'm, I say the story, it's not, it wasn't all bad. I am so thankful for my MTI career, but it was those moments where like, what am I doing here? Like I, this 18 year old is just trolling me all day and I have to keep my cool at all times. And it was those moments where I'm like, oh, I can't do this anymore. You know, I just want to go back to my career field. And so, uh, so let me yeah. ask this. Hey, so Bracely, what kind of, what kind of basic uh, trainee were you like? What, what kind of basic trainee was I like? What, what were you like? Were you the, <laughs> were you the trainee she just talked about, or, or what was your? Uh... Oh, no, man. Hey, I, I was I was a, uh, um, I was, I was the one that pushed everything to the limits. Like, I was oh, gonna gosh. do whatever. I was gonna do whatever we were supposed to do, right? But I was gonna have fun while I was doing it. Like, I was that dude that. So, so let me tell you what my mind frame was. So my cousin was in there. He, he went through basic training. He was in the Air Force at the time when I went through. And the Air Force screwed him over and messed him up on a surgery table and discarded him. So I'm putting that out there. I like to throw shots, you know, when I get the opportunity. <laughs> but anyway, um, he sent me a letter in basic training. And when I got it, I read it. And he had, he, he had, it was one statement in there that just stuck with me. And when I read it, I just laughed afterwards. He was like, uh, and don't, he said, don't worry about your TI. Uh, they, they probably some punk ass senior and a staff sergeant who, uh, who, whose, whose job is literally just to yell at you for no reason. And when he said that, I just laughed. Cause it, one, it was my cousin and you know, he's right. like a brother to me. And after that, like basic training was fun for me. Like, there was nothing that T.I. could do. Like, T.I. could be yelling at me, and I'd be looking at the T.I. like, dude, it's your job. Hurry up and get done yelling so I can go on, so I can go and do what I got to do. I'm the child runner. I was a child runner. So I'm, I, I was like, <laughs> okay, whatever. I, I go see seven, eight dudes every morning, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and get them a reporting, reporting statement. Like, okay, yeah. But I had, to this day, I would tell you, I had to some of the coldest instructors. And rest in peace, Blaine Liston B and John Alcarez, both were blue. I, we had two blue robe TIs pushing our flight. And back then, 
I'm not saying nothing about the instructions now, but from what I've been told, like blue ropes are easier now to get than it was back then. So um, I think we would start listing these blue rope flights. And uh, they recognized, they acknowledged, they recognized and saw that, like, I didn't give it, like, I literally didn't give a damn. I was like, Shh, I'm looking at the calendar. Is it February 14th? <laughs> like, like, my mindset was all we doing is marching and folding clothes. That's it. You know what's as funny about that? Go ahead. Is that you were my chow owner all the time. Anyone with that attitude, oh, that's my chow owner right there. Because they're going to hey. they're gonna take that snake pit for what it is. Like, okay, whatever. This is my flight. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Let's, let's get let's get in here. Hey, and I made sure, I made sure I didn't get returned. I made sure that my, 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 my shit was on A1 point. Like, I was arrogant about that. Like, I was so <laughs> arrogant about being a child runner. I would be like, your hype man. I would be your hype man. Like, oh, this is my child coming up. Everyone watch out. This is my child hey, coming up. Like, the, the child runners, like, for some, hey, if you say you was a child runner, everybody's like, you got respect because literally you went to the, you went to the belly of the beast three times a day. Yep. Just so your crew can eat. And if you, and sometimes, if you, if you, there'd be an instructor there with just bad attitude towards child runners. Yeah. But then if you messed up, it was like, Go back out and do it again. Now you gotta wait behind this other child runner <laughs> to to bring his flight in. So now yep. your whole flight, your whole flight can't eat because you messed up. You messed up the the report. Oh man, I love I love that. <laughs> when they did, then we got the Warrior Weekend. I was <laughs> I was selling I was selling D batteries. I was selling oh D God. batteries <laughs> at Warrior Week for the flashlights. Yes. yes. Because we had to walk over with flashlights, everybody's batteries, everybody's batteries, they, they were selling them, the, the, the shop had the, uh, whatever you want to call it, had some cheap batteries. So when we were at the Warrior Week, your boy went to the shop with his Eagle Cash card and spent <laughs> a, enough money to bring batteries to Warrior Week. And I was selling batteries Hustling. for Hustling. $6 a pack, bro. <laughs> $6. I made them in $200 a week. What? Jesus Christ. That's hey, whatever you got to do, whatever you got to do. And you know, it's hey. funny, you brought up, you brought up Chow Runner. I have two stories. This, this is the ones I wrote down. Because Chow was my favorite time. It was one of my favorite, besides drill, Chow was my favorite time. So my thing at the snake pit was if, if I had to be the one to sit at the snake pit, I'm always looking at trainees going out the door. Because you know, you know those trainees. Like they sit there, they hurry up and finish their food, and some of them like still chewing, trying to like put their trays away and rush out the door so they don't get chewing seen. Walking. Nope. Yep. Caught them every time. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I commented on the Facebook page. I was like, I would as soon as I saw them chew, I'd be like, Hey, sit down and eat. I wouldn't want you to die, trainee. That would break my heart, trainee. You better eat. No, I would just like give them up. Hey, to this to this day. I, out in and out of uniform. If I got a cup in my hand and I, I need to take a sip, I literally yeah, stop. stop walking. <laughs> I'm in civilian clothes. I will stop walking dead center tracks and take a sip, swallow that drink, and then start back walking. You are ruined for life. You are ruined. Same. Same. I can't. I can't do it. Um, so I would stop them for that. I would stop them because usually in hours, there was the mirror right before the hallway to get out. 
and they had to like especially if you're zero to second week you had to stop in front of the mirror do you. a face movement and march out correctly and so i'd sit there at the snake pit and i would watch yeah. him and okay. as soon as i saw that knee bend <laughs> training at the mirror come here oh, no. <laughs> how how oh man how about the facial movements with the food with the tray yep. with the tray oh, like your, oh your juice going everywhere whoa that used to be hilarious and they, and they said every time and it'll be the same one every time like the same one every time hey trainee don't do face let's say don't do face movements with the tray and they would do face movements and food falling all over the place you got like that's why they switched to plastic cups because all these damn glasses were falling on the floor yeah, as soon as glass crazy. crashed they'd be like don't touch it <laughs> Yo, my, oh, yeah. my, I, I, I had, I had a, I had an eating method, man, because child runners sat, child runners ate last, or they, they ate, they didn't, we didn't get just to get in line until the next flight came in, and another child runner replaced them. So I had a method, like I would get just enough to eat, to where I, I, I my, 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 my mind was, I had it was, it was, uh, it, it was every for breakfast it always be two slices of bacon, one pancake, and and grits or oatmeal, whatever it was, and literally. Six you roll minutes. that pancake up? Do you roll it up? Yeah. All of it gone. <laughs> I'm out the dough. Literally, did you, that was. Did you gain weight or lose weight in basic? Man, I lost weight. I, I came when I came in the military. I was 165. When I graduated basic training, I was like 140 something. Damn. Damn. I put on. That was the opposite. Eight, I put on about 18 pounds. That must. That must have been like. That must have been like Candyland or Wolfpack. No, man. No, so so legit. So you I came better not in say you was in the three twenty third. Uh no, I posted it the other uh, I have to go back and look at my Facebook. No, no, no. So I uh, um so I put on I I'm not a big dude, but I I think I put on like twenty eight at least eighteen to twenty pounds in basic. And not only that, but I'm I was I'm not now, but I was a pretty damn athletic guy when I came in. Mm-hmm. And so I was coming in in the top five for running, push ups, sit ups, pull ups. But I had never eaten three meals a day in my life. You know what I'm saying? Like growing up, I just ate when I ate. So because I was eating three meals a day. And you were eating. And you were eating, yeah. So, hey, okay. This, uh, yeah, I'll go here. So, Bracely, how, when did you finally use the restroom after getting the basic training? Oh, gosh. That's, yeah. That first <laughs> night, man. They made, hey, when we came in there, they made, they, they made hey. They, they made they made us so when we got in their dorm room they made us fill our canteen and we had to drink the entire canteen mm. right on the spot i'm not asking about that one hey and literally <laughs> I, already, I already knew and, what and, you were talking about gonzo <laughs> i don't know what y'all talking about but i just know uh, i just know we pissed I, I i didn't get no sleep that first night because i pissed the whole night Oh, oh, no, I'm talking about when you actually had to go poo. So oh, I geez, did probably like two or three days. Really? I was probably, I was into my second week, right? Yeah, that sounds about and right. So yeah, it, it was it's, about two or three days. Oh, before. yeah. Oh, yeah. For me, I, like, it got to the point where a lot of us were in there and we were like, bro, like, something's wrong. Like, well, what's wrong? <laughs> They're like, have you been to the restroom? I'm like, no. Like, have you? No. And then you'd have some one kids like, what? No, I'm not going to say it. Um, so, anyways, <laughs> so you had a bunch of That's kids. That's because they weren't getting that oatmeal in the morning. If you would have got that oatmeal in the morning, you would have been okay. 
I look, man. I don't know why. It, I I could have. I, I don't know. Uh, quite a few of the people in my in my TI flight all of a sudden were medical professionals when it came to um, uh, why men weren't acting like men uh, when when they were in basic training. And so, but uh, but yeah, I thought it was stress. Like I thought it was stress. I had it pretty it, easy, it, man. So it, it I was, it was about three days. It was about three or four days. So. My mine was so I had a pretty a pretty easy basic training. Number one, I'm from San Antonio, so they put me in flight. No, oh no, 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 no. Uh, no, I, I'll look it up while when you guys are talking next. So we go in you there. Still got the, uh, you still got your like basic training stuff? I don't even know what my stuff is. Yes, like, I posted it on like, Facebook. I, uh, I post on Facebook it's a, it's uh, on, a, on. It's a distant. It's a distant. I got the me. folder. I got the blue folder. With I, the binder I, in there and all my inserts, man. right? And I found it in hey, some because we were clamped look, garage. So I, I go to basic, right? Oh, so so yeah, I, 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 I go like, to basic. I, 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 I was like, I'm done. Okay, all right. What's next? Oh, no, I got I, 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 I got a, I got a march half a mile down the street to my test school. Let's go. <laughs> no, man. So um, <laughs> so they put me up in a hotel the night before at like the Double Tree on the south by the airport, right? Uh, so they pick us all up. They take us over there. We go in. We got to sign for like the pick Bank of America or some other bullshit ass credit union. You go through there. Then they take us and they drop us off at our at our dorm room, right? So uh, there was a, it was a, a bus of nothing but Mexican girls and guys in that bitch because we were all from San Antonio and like the surrounding areas. Right. So they drop us off and they tell us go up to your dorm room. So we go in and we look and we see they had single beds and then further down they had double beds. They were like, y'all stand against the wall. So we stood against the wall, about 10 deep, um, by the single beds. So we're there, and we're just standing there. And half an hour goes by. We're standing there. An hour goes by. We're standing there. Two hours go by. What the fuck's going on? What we didn't realize <laughs> is that we were there early because we were local. They were waiting for everybody who was getting sh- uh, shoveled in from the airport. So then they start coming in, and everybody starts coming in. Earth. So the, <laughs> the way the demographics broke down is that the first 10 beds – we're all Hispanics. So what, what happens when you go out to PT? That this will happens. We all are right back to each other. So this was pre-year time, uh, uh, Kayla. So you're over there and people are, you know, <laughs> hypothetically, this may have happened. We're running around the pad and the TIs of all different colors and races are like, hey, the fuck's going on right here? And the other TI is like, holy shit, bet my tires are missing off my fucking car. Break this little shit up. Let's get some other. And so, but yes, dude. Yes, they. And, and so they would say it. And that, we that's, what, would, that's what you can say. That's what you can say shit and get away oh, with. Oh, God. That, that, that's God. What, that, that's no what way you can now. say that stuff. Oh, man. I, so I remember that. But I had a, a, a decent time. I had, no, I actually had a fun time there. So the class, uh, we went through like three or four class leaders, I think it was. And then the last one ended up being a guy that I went to high school with and played on the football team with. And so I was like, ah, oh, this is awesome, man. So, so he was class leader. Um, I kept to myself. I, I, I didn't want to cause, uh, cause issues by any means. My additional duty was CQ. So on every Sunday for morning, me and one other kid from, I, I think it might have been another flight, we would all spit, uh, split eight-hour shifts between the both of us and just sit in there and answer the phones. Um, what that also meant in that is that I got to go to uh, one hour of a – religious service in one hour mm-hmm. of a religious class by myself away from my flight. Well, being from San Antonio and getting our one call a week, I would just call my family and say, Hey, I'm going to be at the church at this time. Here's the chapel. Come on base. Yeah. Well, guess what? They, the, 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 the folks running the gate, they think you're there for a damn graduation. 
or something right. like that. So they would come in and my family was sitting either behind me in front of me in mass. And my dad would be, how's it going? And I'd be like, I ain't shit for a week. I don't know what you want me to tell you. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, but no, so, so it wasn't that bad, man. And uh, I had a great time. I'll tell one quick story. It's a shitty story. And then you go over to, to your story, uh, Kayla. So again, this is pre uh, scandal MTI, right? I remember we had, I think there was two inspections, a red line and a blue line or a blue line and a red line. This was, yeah, for, the one that, this was for the one that didn't count towards you getting washed back. This was the, the, the practice one, right? Right, right, so, right, right. So, so we're in there. My specialty in, uh, in basic, I ironed because I love ironing. So I, I got our, our water bottle and filled it up with scolding hot water in the bathroom. And I would use that to iron people's uh, uh, underwear awesome. and shirt. Yeah so that you can have it the very top layer right and um and so that's what i would do and so i really liked it so you know everybody had that one shirt that I never wore that they put on top of all the bullshit anyways so <laughs> we're, we're doing the inspections um i'm i'm standing there across from me is the other folks that are staring around at me and then to our left all the way down are the people facing the same way we are and then that back wall facing towards us so there's a young female uh she was a redhead caucasian ti and she comes in and she's going from my right to left what is the Caucasian? people across from me. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, fiery red hair, I think red freckles, tiny, tiny one, maybe a hundred oh. pounds. And as she's going down, she's, you know, she, she, she's her back's facing me because she's looking, inspecting the people in front of me. And then she looks over and all the way down at the very end facing her was uh, uh, let, let's just say that this, that this guy, when it comes to appearance, wasn't very well put together. All right. And so like he got, he didn't get a lot of like the nutrients in the, in, in, the, in the womb. And he didn't so, get a lot of the nutrients. Why don't you give him chicks for it? Basic training. So, so he, uh, uh, no, in the womb, in his mom's womb. And so uh -huh. he was, uh, he was probably like 18, 19, half bald, uh, this pale as can be, but burnt all to hell because he's in he's in uh, South Texas in the in the summer. Uh, face is broken out like this guy works with iron all day. Uh, oh my god! And, and and just and this teeth. I don't know, bro. This teeth about as crooked as a politician, right? And so this and so he's facing her, and she catches him out of the out of the corner of her eye and looks about fifteen feet away. So about. 10 lockers away from him and she's like oh what the fuck and i and i see and i and so i can see her so i can see her doing it and so every two or three uh uh inspection or lockers that she goes by she looks and then she looks at the guy that she's inspecting and she's like she's like is is that a corpse is, is it something die and you guys put a uniform on it over there and I can see that, and I'm trying to keep a straight face. I'm trying to look straight, but I can see this kid. And as she gets closer, she looks at him. She's like, oh, she's like, God. She's like, I, if I, I feel so bad. She's what like, you feel bad for? Jose, you're already she's, there. Go ahead. She's like, oh, <laughs> she's like, I would have aborted it. And she says <laughs> that about this poor guy, right? And he starts no. to just well up with no. freaking tears and, and, then, oh, and she's then just she, angry oh she was ruthless to this mm. poor boy the what i can say is that she walked right by him and she looked at him and she's like pass and just went right by the poor kid <laughs> I, I, so, 
Oh, so 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 this this is the thing that one of the things that I learned about TIs early on, right? People and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but before this massive change with you know the emotions and everything, we were actually being trained, you know to be able to deal with being, being a prisoner of war. And, and literally those were like psyche games. And, and because I, 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 somebody gave me the secret to the secrets to the test, right? I had somebody looking out for me. And when I, once I understood that, I, I was able to accept the jabs in the comments because one day, like, I mean, I ain't gonna lie, like my first three weeks before, before I started getting mail, Yo, T.I. said something, he, he got it back, like, literally. Like, they gave me 341s to sign and put it in my pocket for a reason. Like, I, I, I had 341s pre – I had 341s already filled out. Like, here, this is yours, blah, blah, blah. Uh, correctly, so, I hope. <laughs> oh, yeah. Come on now. I was a child runner. Let's get this this, 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 this straight. No punctuation. Um, but it was – so it was like one day, man, I, the T.I. was saying something and he said something to me, like real smirky. I don't remember what it was, but I just, I, I gave him a report the statement and I fired like, boom. And this, uh, so I listened to me, could not keep, he could not keep his composure. He was like, in my office. Just like that. <laughs> I was standing in the kitchen for a good 15 minutes. Cause he he was teaching them how to shine. They we were learning how to shine boots or some shit. Mm. And um, when he came in, he's like, "Yo, what's your problem?" He's like, and I had to explain to him. I said, "You know, you know, hey, it's not that I got a problem. It's just I'm the type of person that when I'm stressed or I'm frustrated or I'm in a situation where it's it's like tense, I have to I laugh to balance that tension." Mm. So he was like. Oh, okay. Got it. You know, we had a like a conversation. And then sure. you know, he was breaking this shit down. And after he left, he, he was like, look, just so you know, this is my fucking flight. And he, you know, gave me that whole speech or whatever. And, you know, it was a mutual, it was a mutual respect after that. Uh, but, but, you know, he took a break from being the T.I. to actually <laughs> get to understand the mental, the, the psyche part of me. He's even to this day, like, if I'm in a situation with the job, with the job, and I start cracking a lot of jokes, just know I'm either about to punch somebody or I'm I'm pissed I'm pissed off. And I used to get I'm in trouble. Saying. I used to, I used to get in trouble about this all the time. Like literally, my supervisor was like, "Yo, you don't think you'll take it serious?" I said, "Yo, I actually I'm, I'm taking it serious, but I'm actually saving your life." Like that's, and I would say that, and they, they right. when I say that, it, the the whole demeanor would change because they literally didn't realize. Like I was trying to balance, I was trying to balance my anger with, you know, with the with with the positive. I was trying to do that positive, you know, negative type thing. So once I understood the psyche behind what they were doing, they were actually trying to, you know, build break you down and build you back up. But at the same time, like you're a prisoner of war, mm -hmm. and as a prisoner of war, they're going to be harsher than what they are doing basic training, but they want to give you that test. They want to give you that sampling. And, um, that inoculation. Right. 
I don't think that they had that power anymore. No, it definitely got taken. Um, and, you know, it's, it's more mental. In my opinion, it's more mental. And I actually, um, recently, actually, I did a, the Pearl Harbor uh, Remembrance Ceremony um, back in December. Uh, I was one of the escorts for the, the uh, Arizona survivors. So I actually did that. Um, and so I was with Marines, of course, Navy soldiers and all that. And this Marine came out to me because I, full disclosure, I still have my taps on my low quarters. <laughs> so I, 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 don't look at me like that. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I had an interview. Wait a minute. So, you still yeah. got your low quarters from when you was a TI? I have those taps on. Click, clack. No, 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 no. You still got your low quarters from when you was a TI? Yeah, yeah. How, how scuffed up are those shoes? No, they're clean. Look, what? You want me to show you? <laughs> they are clean. They're I'd about uh, three so pair. Good. I'd about I'd about three pair of uh, uh, service shoes in the past ten years. They're thir they're the good ones. Thor goods from Kellogg, right outside of base in Lackland. That's you go there, you get pair. those. Mm -hmm. They they're still good. They are my second pair from being an MTI, but they're still good. You know, we don't wear our blues like ever now. Uh, well, but, at, at um, IMSC, we used to have to wear them every Monday, so. But yeah, so I I, uh, I was tapping around, and this Marine uh, came up to me, and he was like, uh, ma'am, if you don't mind me asking, were you an MTI? And I'm like, who's asking? Of course, I gave him a little attitude, and he was like, oh, I was, I was, uh, you know, I was in the Air Force before I switched over to Marines. Um, and so he went through both Air Force Basic Training and of course Marine Boot Camp. And he told me, like we started talking, and he told me that what he respects from the Air Force so much is like just the mindset of basic training. It's obviously not at all like the Marines. It's just like, you know, put a rifle in your hand and uh, just push you out the door wherever you have to go. But Air Force, we are so meticulous with everything that we do because we're you know, some are technicians, you know, so we're, we're basically desk jockeys, most of us, but at the same time, we, attention to detail is very huge to the Air Force. Um, and he said, I can't believe how much, like, time I spent rolling these damn shirts for the Air Force basic training. It's because we're so meticulous about this stuff. Um, situational awareness and paying attention to detail. And he's like, I didn't get that at all out of Marine boot camp at all. And he said, so I really respect that part of, like, who I am now. Um, so that's, that's what it, I think is turned into because even when I went through MTI school, you know, that's when I was first introduced to the Myers-Briggs test, the 16 personalities, and they wanted to learn about what combination we are to pair us with our trainers so that they can understand us and they can teach us the way we need to be trained. And so I am, um, the last time I took it, I think I'm, a ISTJ, and I think it means like a, they call it the defender. So basically I like helping people, um, which makes sense. So very hands-on, I wanna help people and that's where my mindset is. So we are trained a certain way. And then they would do um, this quarterly uh, deliberate development with MTIs where we talk more about how we train and understanding it and what we're doing and why it matters. Um, so it was a lot of those like, the mental of the training matters. So, um, so that I, I really like that part. And that's what got me into the whole, you know, I, 
I'm like all in for PME. I'm all in for professional development. I'm in for all those because that, I got so much out of that from being an MTI. So I'm, I'm, I'm all for professional development if it's deliberate versus whatever the other word would be. But if it's deliberate professional development, I'm really not key to the professional development that we have now because I, I don't think it's deliberate. I think that uh, when I was at CNCOA before it got cut short, I think that probably CNCOA was more uh, more deliberate because it was more thought provoking than NCOA or ALS. It was almost like this is exactly what you have to say and have to do in order to pass NCOA and ALS. I really didn't learn anything in NCOA and ALS. I was learning things at CNCOA because uh, because of the way the curriculum was set up. Um, sure. More so, uh, I think that professional development should be um, more deliberate in the standpoint of, uh, it should be more work-centered professional development uh, versus relying on the Air Force to provide professional development. And the reason I say that is because uh, we're so we're so mission mission driven that that when I said I'm really mission driven we're like execution driven versus mission driven when mm-hmm. if we if we if we're mission driven then we would develop our people enough to where the mission would get executed you know without a blink of an eye mm-hmm. and you know um, that's why you know and it's alluding to one of the things that you want to talk about is like um that's why I appreciate I appreciate the people who focus more on people. They were able to tie people into executing the mission. Then I know that I had people who was just like, well, we just need to get this done because it's a suspense. No, it's like you're, 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 you're developing me to focus on the mission, not just making me focus on the mission or making me focus on execution. You're developing me to focus on execution and developing me to get the, to execute without having uh, without being without executing in the dark, like I knew where I was going, I knew the direction I was going in. Right. Um, but I think that I, I just think that right now, the way our career field is, I just I really just and maybe the Air Force, but just what our career field, like I just don't think we care enough about people to make them want to just willingly do the job, which is all, you know, which is why when I was sitting at the, at the fam, like I saw like our retirement separation list go from here to here. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just master sergeants. It was tech staff and airmen walking away because we don't know how to balance growth development and the job executing the executing the perceived mission do you brace let me and this is for both you guys i agree with what you said bracelet um i do i feel the way that same way in our career field too what i don't know is why it's why it's happened or when or, or how to fix it but one thing that i remember from basic was that uh and I guess to, to, to quote the old, uh, um, uh, oh, geez, I can't remember, not Born of Fort July. Anyways, um, whatever the movie is that everybody talks about, the Vietnam movie where the guy 
Vincent D'Onofrio blows his head off in the bathroom. Oh, full metal full jacket. Metal, full, metal full metal jacket. jacket yeah. Right? When Ari, uh, Arlie Ermi uh, comes through there and he's talking about people's gender, race, color, sex, and he's right. like, I don't give a shit. Everybody's equally as worthless in here. And, and, and there was something to that in basic training. Um, what I loved most about it, and I think I've always been this way in my life, is I love being a part of a team, right? I love being a part of other people uh, who, who all have the same goal um, in mind, uh, uh, working towards working towards the same goal, right? Who are not the same. And so leaving, having that, being a part of a team and basic, a part of a team of 60 plus uh, men and women going through the same struggles daily, having to rely on each other um, to to pick to to pick up where I'm weak, the other person's strong, and and knowing that and accepting each other, and working towards that that goal together, that's amazing. Depending on who you are, right? Uh, and you do that for seven weeks, and then you're given your freedom, and then all that goes away, mm -hmm. right? And then you get Absolutely. to uh, you get to tech school, where I know it's different. I've been to two tech schools. Um, you get to it where it becomes very much individualistic, uh, uh, individual, uh, right. right word, to where, okay, I need to make sure that I pass this so I can move on to the next step and finally start getting paid the big bucks, right? And then you go to your what first big phase. Bucks? And so, well, you know, you get the, the, the bonuses and stuff like that. Um, but what no, bonuses? So, what? So, what so, bonus? Yeah. Oh, Chief, he gave me a bonus. Um, no, I'm, I'm messing. Oh, so, so it's a so and it very is career field uh specific i remember coming out of tech school for for my maintenance career field uh, that was uh, we worked in smaller groups and small teams so we had that camaraderie whereas you go to the to, to log plans and, and, and it's and, and it's you're there with other people but you're not right mm -hmm. you're there focused on what you need to get done and then you go to your first base and to what bracely said what if you don't have somebody there who has a passion for wanting to make sure that you succeed, not as a uniform wearer, but just as a person, man. Right. How if you I was, I, I was, I would say this: the career, in my opinion, the career field shifted And about 2006, 2000, I mean, not 2006, 2009, 2010. I think, I think the career field became so, in, I think the career field became an individual mindset leading into 2011. And that's when I started seeing the, the isms from the other career fields coming in. And the thing is, the career field has always been a cross-trainee career field, but right. there was a different mindset of the people who were in the career field when I came in. It was a different mindset. It was everything was unit, everything was cohesive, everything was team, everything was we, everything was like, you know, units, unit centric. And about 2011, it, it became, I got to get this degree or I don't get promoted. I have to get this award or I don't get promoted. I have to do this or I don't do this. And then that's when you start seeing, seeing master sergeants competing against senior airmen. Mm -hmm. So, so where, you start, have, oh, 
so where have you guys seen okay so two questions no i'm not gonna okay so okay bracely so was it that the career field was changing around that time or did the air force change therefore the people in the career field changed no the air force ain't never changed the air force is to me the air force has been the air force the air force has always been what it's been right the career field changed people outside of the career field that were self it was career fields are always you know self-seeking trying to be the number one this that and the third like i've always seen that it was like that in supply it was like that in tmo it was like that in security forces um it was like that in you know some in ce and come from growing up hearing people hearing people talk about it not not physics in it hearing people talk about it i didn't see that stuff happen until i started seeing people that had just cross-trained from services as a tech sergeant coming to the career field as a tech sergeant and they brought that services whatever that mentality that doggy style mentality from their career field into our career field and that's why that. part of the issue well part of the reason why you hear a lot of pipeliners complain about cross trainees is because like we came we was we came up in a hey you know everything's great uh you know we're we're doing this together and you came in and you had cross trainees seeing the opportunities that were there for them to accelerate in advance way farther because yeah we were you know unfortunately some of us were behind the power curve when it came to setting ourselves up because we were enjoying what we were doing and you know a lot of us, we just had, well, a lot of us had to catch up. We had to play catch up with, with people coming in from those security forces and the, the services and the, the personnel is, you know, we had to play catch up with them because they, they, they already had a leg up on us on the cutthroats and, and the position, self-positioning, right. uh, you know, they, they, we just, we didn't, we didn't know because that was something that we wasn't aware of. Okay. So... <sighs> So if we were to go back and look at that time, well, because it, it, it just didn't happen at that time. It, 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 that is, what you're talking about is a, is a cultural change, right? A shift in mindset. Yeah. So it, it, it doesn't happen. It, it doesn't happen overnight. If we were to look at the numbers of how many people were coming in of a certain rank during like a three or four year period, do, would we really say, would, would it really be significant? Uh, and, and I don't say that to, uh, to disagree or disregard your statement of why, uh, of why that's happened, because that's very mm -hmm. relevant and it makes sense. Yeah. But is it that much of an of, of, of a impact? I, but again, are, are the outside variables that come in, did it corrupt um, for, for whatever reason the career? It, it, didn't, it didn't corrupt. What it did was... For us who had, like I said before, for us who had this, hey, we're just coasting mindset, it was like, yo, snap out of it. Like, they over here eating. We over here sharing food. They over here, they got steak and lobster. We over here, we got casserole dishes over here. You know what I'm saying? So it, it was, it was, it was like a, it was a gut punch. And I, I see it as a negative and a positive. The negative is, yeah, um, I think, I believe in our career field, the wrong people were promoted, doing, you know, were, and some of some of the people, wrong people are still getting promoted. 
because what it did was it diluted or it kind of it kind of affected the credibility of the knowledge behind log plans. But then after growing up in the Air Force, I realized the higher you get, and this is where this is I think this is the problem with my career field. Name one senior NCO that's not in D capes. Well, it's probably a few, but name once name name a senior NCO that you know of is not doing tactician tactician work. Name one senior NCO. Yeah. Right. 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 Our senior our senior CEOs have not been able to ascend to be managers. They are managers that they're tacticians first and they're managers second. Mm -hmm. So when when elevating to that to that next level, I can you know I can buy money morning quarterback this all day long, but that was the only negative I saw with cross trainees coming in the career field was they were promoting in positions based off of knowledge. But at the same time, our career field hasn't made that shift to where tech sergeants are, are the killers, the, 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 the go-getters, and master sergeants should be focused on the people and should be able to help a conversation, a knowledgeable conversation, but they should, I should be looking at my tech, tech staff sergeants like, yo, go eat. You know what I'm saying? Right. The table set, go eat. So, okay. So, so, so we, if, we... If, we can, if we can get to that point, it don't matter who cross trains in the career field. Cross trainees at that point become totally beneficial because they have a knowledge of people experience at that next level. And that's, that's where the benefit actually, that's where the, that's where the benefit meets because they got that knowledge of people at that next level. But we got to get them out of pulling the tip feeder, going to actually physically be the one so, that talks BSP and WRM. Like they, they shouldn't be doing that. Well, the so, force is smaller now. It's even smaller now than it was then. So you well, have a, a training coming through of mass, like at home. And I had a mass turn that I had to hurry up and help train to be the next superintendent. So I'm like training him, and I have four or five airmen. Four of them are pipeline trainees, so I'm trying to train all these people, and then it's like, I, yeah. I train them, and all of a sudden I get orders to Korea. I'm like, okay, well, here you go, good luck. So, so I, I am you? not going to, I am not going to even respond to that statement. So, so I had a conversation today in reference to what you just said, and I was irritated mm. as far as moving people so fast. So would it as surprise you if the, if the career field was not that very, not uh, size-wise, not that much different than what it was 10 years ago today? I know we like to say, oh, it, it's smaller. Was it? Is it? I don't know. If we, if, if we went back to, I'm pretty sure, I, I'll have to go research this or I'll just cut this out of the, the podcast. I'm pretty sure numbers-wise, we're the same. Damn near the same. Hmm. Now, how how the ranks are distributed and broken down within the, the majority. And I'm speaking oh, active duty only. That's what I don't know. So yeah, again, I, I don't, I, I, as we talk through this stuff and, and this is just the way my brain works. Right. Um, and then Bracely, hopefully when we have the, the other, uh, the meeting, you know, next weekend or whatever, or Sunday, whenever we do, you can, you can come because I want to look at it as like, you know, we talk about these problems in the career field and everything that Bracely has said, everything that Kayla, you have said, everything that our guests have said, those are facts. Those are those are the, so they might be our opinions, but they are legit problems, right? And so when we look at, well, what's causing it, right? 
Right. A, a lot, so it's very hard to discern whether it's a symptom of the problem or it's the virus itself. Right. And so, oh. um, and so what Bracey taught, you know, and Bracey has said this multiple times, that little brown book, Bracey, how fucking amazing would it be for our career field in a cultural, how much of a cultural shift would it be if the, the, the different ranks in the jobs it says you should do at every instance in the brown book, if you could fucking Actually do it. Actually matched, yeah. If, if senior NCOs could focus on, the, on taking care of their people, how much better would the career field be? If masters can focus on making sure, uh, providing that first level of top cover, how perfect would it be? If tech sergeants could look and staff sergeants could look at them and say, hey, yo motherfucker, this is your job. You're gonna like Bracey said. You're gonna go eat. I'm gonna go eat, and both of us are gonna are, are gonna shine. How much better would our career field be? And so right. I, I say when we talk about symptoms, um, uh, symptoms are stuff like teams of three, shitty uh, UTC management, um, mm. COVID, all these things that keep on adding to our plate that take away from our goal. Our, 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 you know, our medicine for fighting, for attacking that virus, which is, in my opinion, my opinion only, a lack of training, uh, lack of training and knowledge management, right? Um, it's so it's, that's what's tough, man. I mean, yeah, no, because we, 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 man, we, we saturate our, our, our section chiefs because there's some situations where tech sergeants are, tech sergeants are the, are the person to sit in on these flight meetings and blah, 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 blah. We saturate our, our senior management so bad <clears throat> that they they can't sit down and lay out a strategic plan and empower those tech sergeants. You know, empowerment is a problem, but they can't they can't do that. And then, you know, it's, man, it's, it's so much, man. It's like, I used to be so judgmental, but then, you know, when you sit down and have conversations with people and and you travel and you just get exposed to stuff, you know, uh, I always say, I always say if I have a problem with something, I'm looking at it from my point. I want to say I'm looking at it from my point of view because I don't know what those individuals are dealing with when those decisions are being made. Uh, but I think that some of the things that we're doing, which is having focus groups and having people actually talk, having the right people talk, uh, you know, well, there ain't no such thing as right or wrong, but having a group of people to have a conversation to have different points of views, different opinions about how to make certain situations better. It's great because, you know, you get to hear everybody's past. Just like with this podcast, mm -hmm. we're hearing everybody's past. We're hearing everybody's, you know, horror stories. We're hearing everybody's, you know, warrior and, and, and you know, and, uh, you know, glory, glorified stories or whatever, not glorified, but, you know, success stories. And it's always, it goes back, you know, it goes back to like, man, this is a great opportunity to hear people talk. And then the more I hear people talk, the more I was like, dang, you know, I was probably, that's probably like, I had a probably sh shitty point of view on this because, you know, I'm over here in my little corner looking at everything from my, from you know, from, from my little kingdom over here. And this person is over here is, you know, that I don't like, I don't like their attitude. But, you know, when they tell the story, like, yo, this person was really suffering. Mm -hmm. You know, it was either Southern yeah. from, suffering from self-inflicted wounds or they're suffering from their their environment um so i'm glad the conversations are being held but i'm, I'm what i'm hoping is um even with the chiefs I, I'm, I'm hard on you know kind of crit i'm i ain't say critical but i speak out you know against and for the chiefs on certain things because you know what my expectations of a chief is but you know uh 
it wasn't until a couple of days ago where I kind of realized what Chief Cooper was 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 doing with me when when I would mention something. It's like, yo, we're done. You pick the torch up. You carry it. You know. Uh, but one thing I will say, the new chiefs. I'm expecting the new chiefs. Well, I, okay, this is what I expect my chiefs to do. I expect to be able to go to my, any of my chiefs and they give me unfiltered feedback and something that when I leave, when I when I walk away from talking to them, I walk away with something more, not something less. Mm-hmm. And I I think that some not I think that some some of our chiefs do that. A very small few of our chiefs do that. Uh, because I mean, for lack of better words, most of the chiefs that, with the exception of my boss, um, most of the chiefs that I would talk to are walking out the door. For I, I wouldn't. I think the chiefs that are still in the middle, still still in the game in our career field, uh, even like I think I would only probably talk to maybe three or four. I'm not gonna say their names. They know who they are because I engage with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, I, I go talk to chiefs outside of the career field. Because when I leave, when I when I leave that conversation, I leave a conversation with the new author manager, and I come back and say, "Hey, this is what I got." Now, speaking to uh, uh, seniors and, and masters, I think that these conversations that we're having and we're developing strategy, I think that we need to be creating action plans and building all these different crazy action plans so that we can we can unify on a unified front, roll something out to the team, so we can take the burden and pressure off the Chiefs. Because to be honest with you, I think our chiefs are supposed to be focused on people, and I think our seniors and masters need to be focusing on developing the people. Mm. So, a hundred percent agree, and, and and I and I look at it from a different, uh, same goal, different perspective, Bracey. So when I I don't necessarily look at chiefs or or seniors or master masters, because every single every single one of them, to include you and I and Kayla are um, disposable at the end of the day, right? So I look at it as the senior leaders of the career field. We need the human beings, whoever they might be, that are leading the career field to do something specific. Bracey, you hit it on the dot where you need them to focus on the people. You're right. But what we need, in my opinion, what we need is the senior leaders of this career field to trust the next iteration of those senior leaders of the career field to fix, to, to address the issues that they have identified. Right. But so, how do you do that? I got to say this. I'm, yeah. I heard, I'm here with you saying, yeah. and, I'm, and, and, and I don't give a blind fuck who feels uncomfortable about this. How are you, how are the chiefs going to trust us to fix it? When some of us don't give a shit about fixing it, so you're there's, so you're, there there so there are right. so, so self that like and, and it's the thing the thing is is it's like and I'm okay I'm gonna give a perfect example. <laughs> okay. We're gonna talk like and we're gonna get we're gonna say this I'm gonna say this real quick and we're gonna not talk about it. All right, let's use this current nation situation, right? There's a post I made. Uh, I took it from I took it from a cop, uh, a very trustworthy cop, and it basically said um, something alluding to something that um, if 
of one small fraction of protesters makes the whole group of protest bad protesters make the whole group of protesters look bad what do you think one small fraction of bad cops make the whole population of cops look like right so when you got a group of masters and seniors who are so engulfed with promoting mm. and i'm saying this from a personal standpoint because i know for a fact that they that i know for a fact that we have masters and seniors that don't put energy into developing their people and furthermore don't put energy into caring for their people on paper because they can't because they're constantly relying on people that outrank them to do it how do you prove with the simplest thing that you're supposed to do straight out of the brand hand brown handbook that how do you prove that to the chiefs and say hey we're ready to take on this 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 torch take this torch from you we're ready to give y'all relief some pressure from y'all so y'all can actually be chiefs and actually just talk to the people and, and reassure the people and tell us you know being able to get get a chief's time to tell us our chiefs should not be sitting there scratching their head on how do we fix the training problem our chief should not be doing that. Got, got it. No, and one hundred percent agree. And, and the reason we why chief, we don't, we don't need him to. But we show. But when you say we need the chiefs to get that to us, we ain't doing nothing to get to get the chiefs confidence enough to give it to us. And right. and so okay. And so what I will say is that from our and I said lens, we, not y'all. I said no. We <laughs> yes. So so here's what I'll say. Right. Uh, there is no doubt in my mind that there are people in this career field that are only looking out for themselves, right? Absolutely. Which at the end of the day, regardless of what we think, regardless of how proud we are to wear this uniform Patriots, this is a business, right? This is very much a business. And I, and I would not, I do not look at anybody who is out there looking out for themselves. Uh, as long as it's not malicious, if you're looking out for yourselves and trying to put your, you and your family in the best position to be successful for this generation, generations down the road, by God bless you. Now, having said that, I have no use for you, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, I, Bracely, uh, and maybe I'm too much, uh, maybe I'm a little too optimistic on this. I would assume that the majority of the E7s, let's just say E7s, E8s in this career field are not like that. What we as a family need to do is find those people and and put them in a position to have their voices heard, right? It does not matter to me whether one or all 12 or 13 chiefs buy into anything that we want to do in this career field. It does not matter to me. Nothing that our chiefs, whether or not they support us or don't support us on a particular uh, 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 initiative, still doesn't change the fact that if a hand if the majority of the people in the career field feel that it's a problem it's a fucking problem and i don't care how much knowledge you have how much experience you have how many schools you've been to give those people a chance to solve that problem which the chiefs did back in december during the last log plans day when they implemented those those uh, small teams 
you know, uh, uh, with the chief, a chief serving as a big brother, a mentor to a senior who's running it to them. That's a you know who came up with you know who came up with that idea? Who? You? That's a good idea. <laughs> this guy. And so and so, let me edit that part to say, you know who came up with this idea? Gonzo. <laughs> no, okay. So 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 this this is this is why I say this is why I say what I said. So my boss man, like, dude is like. If it's a good idea, we talk to it. If he don't like it, he'll say why he don't like it. But if it's a good idea, he'll he'll, he'll put his spin on it. And hey, I'm a call Chief Grip. Like that's how my boss is. Like literally, mm -hmm. I be sitting there talking to my boss like, "Yo, Chief, this, 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 this." I was thinking about this, and blah blah blah. He be looking at me like, "This dude is crazy," but it makes sense. And if it don't make sense, dude, you're crazy. Sit down. Um, but I had this idea. I was like, Chief, we could get everybody Greenbelt certified. And he was like, how? I said, instead of y'all trying to fix all the problems, y'all come up with the problems, come, you know, and then we could turn around and have CPI events at the law plans working groups. Set these teams up, make sure, you know, send out, hey, go through this training, go through the, you know, because they, cause they got this, uh, the, the CPI on, you know, online now, Chief, Chief uh, Wisewell was, you know, beta testing the website, but they got this CPI online now. Push it out to everybody, right? I don't know if anybody remember last year when they was when they did the registration for Law Plans Day. They said, "Are you Green Bell certified? Are you CPA CPI certified?" Right? If you're not, go to the fucking class. Mm -hmm. Do the doggone A step during the Law Plans Working Day. You know, identify who, what bases are going to do. Uh, steps five through eight, right? And you come back the next law plans working day and you brief the results and you start working on new problems. And everybody gets everybody gets a everybody gets a problem, they work their problem and they get they, they get their project so they can get Green Belt certified. Everybody. Mm -hmm. That's why that that's why that happened that way. I don't know I don't know what the follow up was. I don't know if things, you know I don't know because because once I gave it to Chief Wisebum, the Chiefs took it and they ran with it. I, and and you know what I did? I briefed UTC management just like I always do. And then he went to Tampa, and now here he is. And here you are. No, so I will say so. <laughs> hey, please, 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 if you could be on, um, and and, I, and I'll send you the email uh, chain on um, when we're gonna talk again. Um, be on there to get the latest, or at least with the people. There's some people on there that are part of those teams, and they can they provided a little bit of an update. So, okay, we've been going now for quite a while. Um, we need to wrap it up here the next uh, 10 to 15 minutes. Um, yeah. Here's, I want to be selfish for a second, and I want to put Kayla on the spot. Kayla. Always selfish. <laughs> you have your bachelor's degree. I know because I'm looking at a post that you did here an hour ago. Showing hey, dude, got it. Stop stalking people's pages, man. I know. No, no. I just posted it right before the show. Just posted you did. It. So I'm looking at this, right? And you have been in how long? 13 years this month. And you're how old? 30. Okay. So Kayla, let me ask you a few questions. Number one, okay. do you not like money? Number two, do, <laughs> oh, you not like, do you not like making the most of your career? Because you seem very passionate about your career. If the answer to either of those is yes, no. I already know what's coming. 
what is it, what is it that you say is keeping you here wearing the stripes and not the bars? Okay, so I just had this conversation a while ago with Katie Littlefield. Um, because she's uh, she's a flight commander here uh, at Hickam. Um, I thought about it several times while I was getting my degree. You know, money's obviously a huge factor, but to me personally, and this is not, I'm not trying to sound corny at all, but money isn't my real reason for being here. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love the Air Force. I just love it. And I, over time since being an MTI, I think that's what got me the idea of, hey, I can do this special duty thing again later. Like, I want to be a first sergeant or I want to be an instructor later or I want to do this. I had so many goals after the fact that, you know, that that goal of, you know, being Lieutenant Ibsen instead uh, kind of withered away because I think the enlisted side is so much more important because I remember Chief, uh, there's a maintenance chief in Kunsan, he would always brief it. Gosh, I cannot remember his name. Um, but he would always say the same, every time he spoke, he said the same thing that we are where the rubber meets the road. He would say that every single time he spoke, but he is absolutely correct because we put so much of ourselves on the line for our job. We make sacrifices. I'm, you know, a single mom and trying to do this and trying to do my uh, personal trainer certification and my bachelor's degree and all that because I, you know, that's what I want to do. Um, I want to keep going because I want to be able to share that knowledge with my troops later that this is how you get a bachelor's degree and three, four years. This is how um, I was able to get my personal trainer certification as a loggie. You know, this is what, and that's what I wanted to, why I wanted to bring it up is even though I'm a log planner, this isn't why I'm here. I'm here to take what I can from the career field and use it to develop me personally. So that's where the MTI came into play. That's where, um, you know, I, I honestly think that being a loggy and an MTI got me distinguished graduate because I, I took everything I had with those two career fields and NCOA, all of that shit came easy to me. Oh, we have to work together as a team? Got it. I already did that. Um, oh, I have to give a brief. Cool. How many minutes do I need? Three minutes. Okay. That's easy. And it just came so easy to me because I worked so hard to develop myself to that point. And I just want to keep doing that, you know? Um, so honestly, I don't think I, I don't think I would like it on the other side. I don't think I would. So here's the only thing I'd offer and embrace me smart, way smarter than me on this is that what I found out through my uh, air force career, is for some odd reason, the more rank you get, the more the Air Force puts you in a position to help others, right? Um, right. I, I, I know, uh, I know, you know, being an 01, 01 year, whatever the hell it is, you know, you're still going to be low on that totem pole. But um, in my opinion only, there's a reason why we see the pilots leading the, you know, leading the Air Force. There's a reason why we see these operators uh, that are at the various commands and match comms and, 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 uh, and CCDRs um, leading these people. It's because that rank does mean somebody. Being, being an officer does mean something. And, mm -hmm. uh, 
and, I agree. Uh, uh, separate from the respect, separate from the money, separate from all that. Uh, you, if, if I if I could do it all over again, I would 100% would have got my degree sooner and, and, and commissioned just for the fact that you're maybe it's a stigma, but your voice is going to be you're going to be looked at a different way. And and if you care about people, if you care about developing people, if you care about making making sure that somebody gets to go home and take care of their family and feel good about themselves or their work. Um, doesn't matter whether you have something up here or on your or on your sleeve. You know you can do that. So right. I don't know. Racy, your uh, thoughts, man. I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you. So they were pushing me hard when I first joined to get my degree and go OTS. I didn't want to become a. I didn't want. I didn't want to wind up being a readiness officer. To be honest with you, because I didn't. I was like, if I if I go OTS, I I mean I'm not. I'm not coming back to this. I want to go do something else, right? I said, it's probably a 99% chance because at that time, uh, our readiness officers were like slim to none. They're like, it's about a 99% chance you're going to be a readiness officer. I was like, I, I ain't doing it. I, I'm, I'm good. Um, but it was a chief, man, Chief Bryant. Uh, he was the LRS chief at Barksdale. Uh, he made a statement, and it still stuck to me. And I tell people all this all day. Uh, a retired captain makes more than a retired chief. Right. And um, if I wouldn't have had to owe the Air Force uh, so much time after getting my degree uh, two, two, three years ago, I would have went OTS, especially because that was only making us go do it for what, two weeks, right? And I can come back as an officer, but do you owe them how long? What, five, six years, something like that? I think well, it's six years. 10. I think it's 10. 10. What? Yeah, no, oh, God. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> so, uh, so I need to look yeah. at that because I know I know Kayla and I, you and I were chatting back and forth last week. Um, they ran that senior NCO to to officer commissioning uh, beta last year, and yeah. I, I and it was a very short. I want to say it was like two to three weeks to actually go through the condensed OTS whatnot. What I would be interested in is um, obviously the age uh, limit would go up significantly if you're talking E7 to E9. But uh, what would be the the commitment on the back end to be able to retire as a whatever rank uh, it is? So yeah, it, it, it's I talk with Rudy a lot, um, and, and, and need to go. Yeah, and I've talked to Rudy. I'm like, Rudy, go be an officer, man. You know, this. Yeah. It's, he, it's he needs to. Yeah, it's yeah. just. And you and you do too. Yeah. Listen, I have a plan. So, so, I have a plan. So, Look, but 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 check but check game. I don't want to know what your plan is because if you tell me a plan, I'm gonna be able to associate it with getting that E, right? This is what I'm gonna tell you. It, it goes, it loses to what Gonzo said. The more rank you get, the better are the, the more responsibility you have for people. Yo, an officer's job is people. It's yeah, conveying right. the message in people. That's their job. Like literally. Uh, I no comment because <laughs> because because has given me strict rules and and I I be I be treading it sometimes but um we can I mean, talk we, about we got later. we got yeah yeah we can we can definitely <laughs> but we got we got a lot to clean up on both sides but I think that oh I think that um, OEs make very great officers um, when they don't come back as oh. I'm an officer now. You're enlisted. I, 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 you know, I've seen that before. But when you, but I tell you, the best officer 
uh, one of the best, the two best officers I had that were enlisted. Uh, retired uh, Fulbright Colonel uh, Lee Gardner, he was the MSG commander uh, at Barksdale. And then, um, man, I can't remember this guy's name, but he was a maintenance group commander at, at Yakota, and uh, he be, he was uh, he became uh, he became an officer as as you know after he was a tech sergeant. And then uh, I don't know if she's Major Heath or if she's still in or not, but um, Heath, she was the Captain Heath last 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 I heard heard from her, but she was a, a finance troop. Cross over to be a readiness officer. Those were some of the best uh, OEs, and I think Colonel Webb. I think Colonel Sharma Rev was is an OE too, um, if I'm not mistaken. Is he? I don't know. I'm gonna ask though. I didn't know that. I think he is an OE, and and and, and, some, and 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 those were some of the best officers because they they got an understanding of both of, of both sides, and they. They, they, you know, they had a little bit more compassion for people than just a, just regular officers. I'm just, I mean, I'm just gonna tell you, man. You got the degree, go, go. Don't sit over here on this side. And if it's if it's a plan where it has finances associated with it, or if it has, you know, like being an officer, you will have a lot of more time given back to you to be able to, in my opinion, execute a lot of personal goals. I agree. I agree with that. Um, you know, I'm not gonna lie, it's been on my mind. I just, you know, I think, I think what I, the most rewarding part of my career thus far has been my troops. And I'm sure being an officer has that reward as well with, you know, like, I can't praise her enough. Um, Katie Littlefield, she talks about her flight all the time. And I actually went to her promotion to first lieutenant and hearing all her people, her major and her troops talk about how great she is. It's like, that's, you know, she came up one of y'all, an airman, and here she is yeah. now. And it's great to see. It's, but, it's amazing. But, be, but just think about this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this. Be an officer, being an officer that can put words on paper will make you so much, so way more, have give you the way better competitive edge, competitive edge than any officer that doesn't know how to. And that's one of the things that people don't realize is like uh, OE comes with that that experience of knowing how to communicate to a board. I feel like you all are secret OTS recruiters. No, we're not. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> let Gazo let, let, <laughs> hey, let, let, let tell you uh, I, I'm an inside trader for uh, Garden Reserve. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, right. That's yeah, right. Yeah, Br <laughs> Brace had his way. Half our damn, you know, after the Chiefs would be guard or reserve. You know? Hey, I'm not gonna uh, lie. I'm just, <laughs> hey, I'm just a proponent, man. I'm just a serious, serious proponent of, you know, not, uh, not doing, doing what I did, which was taking the safe route. Yeah, it's, it. I mean, it, it just, it, it, you do have a young, uh, four-year-old, five-year-old boy. Five-year-old. Five-year-old boy, handsome you would little get so boy. So much time back to him. You would get yeah. so much time back to him. Beautiful little boy. <laughs> I mean, how amazing would it would it be for uh, for that uh, for that little guy to look up to his mom someday? He's already going to look up to you like he, you know, like you hung the moon, right? Uh, right. But you would sit there uh, potentially someday, uh, commissioned a commissioned single mom, Latina slash German, MTI, DG, and then on the cherry on the top, 
log planner, right? Oh, Ret- the best. You know, lo- yeah, the best <laughs> log planner, and be able to give that to give that to him and be as like, a retired oh, 06. Yeah, yeah. Oh, six. As a reti- as, That's a as long a reti- oh, six. right there. Uh, shit, I, 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 dude, dude you, 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 you could literally make which like you could literally make oh, 06 in fifteen years. How speak? Okay. Um, not to well, you have to change topics real quick. How long has uh, General Brown been in? I could have sworn I saw something like thirty six or. I would say it's, it was thirty plus. Golly, boy, yeah. you got to love the Air Force. Look. That's a lot. I know you time. ain't. I know you ain't talking. You talking about trying to do thirty? Nope, I never said that. That's fake news. I never said that. I said. <laughs> I said did. right. I no, I didn't. You, I, I, said I ain't 20, doing thirty. I said I ain't of, doing thirty. No, as of today, I'm willing to do twenty four. 24, I think I'll give me about. As of, as of today, I'm willing to do what the Air Force makes me do. Look, that's gonna that's chief. <laughs> You're going to make chief, and then you'll be singing a different tune. Yeah. Hey, I, 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 you know what tune I'll be singing? The same tune my boss singing. Three and done. <laughs> um, and hey, my, okay, my guys. Boss, my boss did three and done, and he made an impact in them three years. I'm going to mm. do the same that's thing. Good. We'll see. So, um, yeah, he's very smart, by the way. I, I've met his boss. Very smart man. Very smart planner. Uh, okay, guys, we've went for two hours. Two hours. It goes Woo. so quick. So, uh, Kayla, give us your final thoughts. Thank you again. Um, we're going to have to have you back on because we need to hear those stories. We didn't hear enough of them. <laughs> um, yes. So you give us your final thoughts. And then, Bracely, as always, man, take us out. So uh, thank you so much for for bringing me on the show. Um, and yes, I, I wrote down so many stories and stuff that I could talk about, but I just, I just love that we had the conversation and everything just came naturally because I learned from the people in the career field, um, the conversations. Um, you have motivated me to look into OTS or um, being an officer someday. Um, but just being able to have these conversations together as law planners, because we don't, we don't get to meet these people. We were just talking about it last night, uh, Gonzo. Um, I've Facebook friends, a lot of people that I've never met in person, but we have such great conversations of our experiences, mm. just like all these other, um, guests have said. So I just want to say thank you. And, um, I can't wait to do it again. Cause yes, I got all these stories. I'm ready. And maybe it'll be another two hours, but I, I got you. So thank you. All right. So, so me, are we good? All right. So it's past my bedtime. Uh, I've been having a hard time going to bed at, before 10 o'clock, 940, uh, which is cool. Um, but, man, I, I appreciate this conversation tonight. Uh, it, it was definitely a good one. Um, I love I, – I, I'm glad we got a chance to talk about something other than uh, other than log plans. We talked about base training. We talked about people. Uh, we talked about things that matter. Um, and we got a chance to tell some real good stories and then associated with professional development. Um, so to me, that's, you know, that's a really great, uh, that's a really, really great time. And two hours, it didn't seem like it was two hours because it was a really good conversation. Uh, so what I would say, you know, in part ways, you know, um, uh, Kayla, do not limit yourself on, you know, uh, they don't limit your brain to thinking that you only have to be an enlisted person to take care of people. Um, you could be an officer, you could be, you know, whatever, you could go seek whatever position you want to seek. And you can bring people up. You can bring people as long as you understand that, you know, like, like Gonzo said, the more rank you get, the more people come become your responsibility. 
do not think that you got to keep keep stripes on to make a huge impact on people. Don't, 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 don't. Um, um, additionally, uh, I appreciate you, um, you know, for keeping uh, Chris Clark straight um, out there in Pac Out. I try. Uh, I try. Uh, I really appreciate you for keeping them straight. Um, and Gonzo, uh, I'm tired of looking at your face. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, y'all, it's been real. I uh, had a really great time tonight. I'm looking forward to the next couple of conversations. I will not be having no loggy talk on Father's Day, so it's not gonna happen. There you go. Um, forgot about uh, that. I forgot about that. Yep, yep. Plus, I already got. Plus, you already know how my Sundays are set up. So that's right. Um, okay. And, and and I've already been invited to have two other additional conversations about Father's Day on two other different platforms. Okay. Uh, so I'll be I'll be giving that time uh, to to the world, uh, and then plus I got my own little dope conversations gotcha. that I got I got to lay out too. So we'll we'll uh, get that but, mood for sure because I want you on there. So we'll get that. No, we'll get like, I, let me explain something to you and everybody hear this. I do these I do I do these podcasts with, with guys, right? And I love them. But when guys are like, "Yo, Friday night or Saturday night when it's when, when it's my time to decompress from." looking at your lens and moving windows all day. He wants to talk about, no, I don't want to talk about log plans. I, I don't, I don't want to. I like reading all, the emails though. All I want I like, to do I, is. I, I, like, I, I like reading the emails though. I no, love them. I, I like, look, I love talking about log plan stuff. I love talking about, here's, so what am I going to do? Spend time with my kid? Like, bro, come <laughs> yeah. on. I want to. That's, that's, <laughs> like, that's what you're supposed to do. No, no. Uh, happy Father's go. Day, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he yeah, he did give me something. I'm all right. <laughs> so, so, all right, so guys. Yeah. Hey, as as always, um, for everybody listening and for everybody, thank you for watching. Uh if you want to come on, hit Gonzo up. I, I I know I promised you guys a different show. Uh I have been so consumed with my personal goals that I have failed to establish this great panel. Uh, but we will have a to have a discussion on what it looks like for transitioning out of the military. Uh, we will have a discussion. I don't know when, but we will have it. And we're also going to make sure that we get um, a UDM on the show. I'm going to reach out to uh, Sergeant Young. She just got an assignment. So I'm going to reach out to her to get her schedule so we can set that up. And we can actually have a UDM on the show and she could talk about UDMs and what it's like to be a UDM and how horrible it is for us. Uh, of support that she gets from law, law planners. I'm just playing, but she's she's really dope video. So, with that being said, I am out. I got to go to Walgreens to see if they got disinfected and hand sanitizer so I can stock up for the second wave. Um, there you go. And um, if anybody has extra, I can shoot you my address. Hook hook a brother up. That's all I got. Not the way from home. <laughs> all right. Take care, guys. Peace out. Love each other. Later, guys. Thank uh, you. We're out. Oh. Uh.